previously on Transformers Chronicles. So it looks like the Autobots are in need of a leader. Well, I think uh, we kind of saw that with the blurb at the end of the issue. The Dinobots. Mm, what about them? Maybe, maybe yeah. Grimlock. I have fallen over. Yeah. He had some leader yeah. issues, so maybe now it's his turn to yeah. rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. that's what I'm, I'm going to Connect into the Decepticons right now. <laughs> so that's my theory. I don't know. <laughs> Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. And in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. But I'm never going at it alone. First up... We have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Married Watching Cartoons and the Rod Pod. His name is Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. How are you, Jonathan? Hello, Devil. I'm doing all right. It's nice to see you. It's It's been a little bit. I took a bit of a, a break last month. I haven't actually heard the episode in question yet at the time of this recording, but I'm sure you guys did a wonderful job in my absence, or you better have. I, I I hope so. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that I'll leave, leave that up to your withering judgment <laughs> to, to let me know. We talked about uh, the mechanic uh, mm. who was causing trouble for Transformers here and Transformers there. So that was that was what you mainly missed. It was definitely weird not having you. That was that's for sure. Well, I'm here now. That's right. We're happy to have you. Also here is. Maggie Schaefer, the greater half of Married Watching Cartoons and the Rod Pod. Maggie, how are you? I'm doing all right, Delvin. Thank you. Got anything crazy or witty or effervescent to share with us? I'm never going to be able to live up to that. Never going to live up to that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was more focusing just on like things that had changed recently because it's been a little while since I was on the show. It Um, has been. It's been longer than John John was off last and you've been... Oh, it's since 24. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute. Uh, I chopped all my hair off the other day. That feels good. Let's, we Summer moved. Haircut. Yeah. Didn't we talk about that before, though? No, we didn't. Like uh, we mentioned no. that. Oh, well, we no. moved. <laughs> and I cut all my hair off. Ah. Now, hopefully, the stress of moving didn't cause you to cut your hair off. Like, you didn't do the Britney thing, right? No, it was a week of 94-degree weather that informed that decision. I mean, don't worry. You still have far more hair than I have. So <laughs> I always win. <laughs> oh, always, always. If I had, if I had that much hair on my head, Maggie, I would, I would go crazy. It would be so, so much hair. You know, when I was born, I had so much hair that when the nurses took me away and the, they brought me back, they put my hair in a little bow because mm-hmm. I had enough of it that they could put up in a little yellow bow. <laughs> I got that thick German hair, man. Nice, nice. I, I I don't think I have any German background, but I I did have I kind of had an afro sort of when I was a baby. And <laughs> I want to see pictures. But yeah, I, I'd have to find some. Like I think I have some somewhere. So yeah, I'm more than happy to share. I'd even share it on the internet. I don't care. That was way too long ago. Uh, good grief. Delvin anyway. has no pride. 
I was uh, adorable. I have, I, have pl- I have plenty of pride. It just it doesn't <laughs> matter anymore. Like so, I so uh, some months ago, I put a picture that I found of me uh, in high school, and it was like you know like we you were posing, and so I had like this phone and this like super serious look. <laughs> it was the best and, picture ever. Right. It, and it's like, it, yeah, it's it's stupid. And people laugh, but it's like, I was like 25 years ago. I don't care. Well, <laughs> and it's simply like everyone can relate to that. You know, it's right. not like any of the people laughing at that picture didn't also have horrible pictures of themselves from their Oh, season. yeah. I wish I still had a copy of one of my senior pictures, which was me uh, sitting on top of the hood of my dad's 65 Mustang. Uh, wearing white pants, uh, tight rolled up, uh, no socks and boat shoes, Don Johnson style, and and a and a brimmed hat that no human being in any decade should have ever worn. But there I was. Other than that, I looked cute. But everybody wanted one of those because it had a it had the car. It, it was like, look at that picture of the '65 Mustang with the idiot sitting on it. <laughs> 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 the idiot with the nice hat. What are you talking about? Oh man, that hat. Oh. <laughs> I know about y'all. My senior pictures were cool. <laughs> yeah, mine mine were. Yeah, like uh, but yeah, it's it's okay. We we can all afford to laugh at ourselves like that, right? I hope so. Hundred percent. We better. Yeah, if, if we better. What are we doing? We're we're making big mistakes. Like who who needs to take themselves too seriously in life? Especially right, that's not. what high school's for. Right, and I would not go back to high school. Like no. I had a pretty enjoyable time in high school, but like if I could reset, I would reset in college. I would not reset in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely not. Well, enough about that. We should probably talk Transformers, I guess, since that's the whole point. Not you know, Team Beat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the purpose of this podcast. We'll be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We'll answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, John and Maggie, let's see how the Autobots claim a brand new leader. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hi, my name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. These fools worship Transformers. Decepticons, transform and rise up. Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. The rest. Now playing as podcast.blogs.com. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we'll be covering today is Transformers issue 27. And here's John with the cover description. The corner box still features Optimus Prime, but the Marvel 25th anniversary logo is gone as Marvel's year-long celebration comes to an end. 
The Transformers logo, as well as the More Than Meets the Eye slogan, are in white with a metallic blue silver trim that looks pretty slick. The background is in orange-red, reminiscent of the covers of 23 and 25, but only until we see the rest of it. Trypticon is looming over the scene Godzilla style as the Dinobots confront him in their dinosaur modes. The giant Decepticon holds slag in his claw like a small toy, and Grimlock looks tiny as he sinks his teeth into the larger dinosaur. Trees are being uprooted in Trypticon's wake as a blonde female human dressed in colder weather gear is trying to flee the scene. There is no caption or title. The action is left to speak for itself. If I were to supply a cover title, I would call it something like, holy crap, Trypticon is fighting the Dinobots. Why haven't you bought this yet? And that's the cover to 27. I dig it. What do you think of it, Delvin? That's all you got? I dig it. Oh, I guess I can tell you about it. Yeah, I I like this one. Uh, This is... Uh, the kind of cover that uh, does exactly what it's supposed to. It announces to you, hey, Trypticon's going to fight a bunch of Dinobots, and here he is. It is a very action-packed cover, which manages to cram a lot of characters on it, uh, but not to any of their detriment. Even better uh, than the Megatron versus all of the Predacons did, as far as I'm concerned. Having the trees scattered everywhere is nice. Yeah, I like this one. What do you think of it, Delvin? It was you mentioning that there wasn't any cover blurbs or anything. The cover just mm-hmm. sold itself. And it's like, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like, a part of me wants to say that it was rushed, but I don't really think it was because I'm like, well, mm-hmm. there needs to be a background. Eh, does it? I mean, what would you put? Tall ur trees? Like, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mountains, maybe? Uh, but... So the background really doesn't need to do much. I mean, because you have a gigantic, whatever the heck type of dinosaur Trypticon is, and he is lording over the cover and you have what looks like, you know, a pretty pitched battle between the Dinobots whom we haven't seen in a while. So if you have even collected a little bit of Transformers, you're seeing this, you're like, holy cow, Dinobots are back and they're fighting. Who's this big thing? So I do think it's definitely good for that. Um, the human element, as we will get into, I just had nothing for for this one. I don't know why mm-hmm. it just didn't do anything for me. So I can ignore the human blonde woman, which is not normally how you would ever describe any woman. Anyway, <laughs> Maggie, yes. uh, what, what do you think about the cover? I like the cover. I like that the blue outline around the Transformers uh, logo and the phrase, you know, really pops against that orange background and it ties in really nicely with the blue on Trypticon. Um, I think it's a really cool action cover with he's got slag in one hand and then there's swoop. It's it's a very cool cover. I, I too dig it. <laughs> and there's well, Rachel Becker we- in the foreground down there running for her life, her little blonde yeah, see- life. Blonde, blonde human, blonde, blonde human. human. <laughs> yes, it's so gross. Uh, I call him <laughs> like I see him. <laughs> do you guys watch uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine by any chance? Not recently, but not recently. But we watched and enjoyed it. Yes. Well, anytime like Raymond Holt <laughs> has to describe like a woman. Like he always like just goes like completely robotic, like and she had heavy breasts. <laughs> like, like, no heavy feminine breasts. Like no one, no one talks like that at all. But anyway, 
right. Uh, we do talk of one to ten, which is how we rate stuff here on Transformers Chronicles. One being lowest, ten being the highest, like the tech specs of old. And Maggie, what would you rate Transformers 27's cover? I'm going to give it an eight because I do kind of think that it could have benefited from a background. Well, the orange is cool and, and it does make the other colors pop. Um, it's a little bland in the back. Um, I would have liked to see, yeah, taller trees, maybe some mountains. I would have gone for that. But overall, I still think it's really very cool. So I will give it an eight out of 10. What about you, John? I will agree with my wife in this and most cases, but in this case, uh, it's most important right now. Uh, I'll give it an eight for similar reasons. Uh, while the lack of the background doesn't completely ruin it, uh, the trees and the way they're kind of skewed while it's meant to show mayhem, there's no real consistency with how they're falling or, and it even looks like the sizes of them seem strange, especially with nothing in the background to play them off against. Uh, other th- but that still uh, only brings it down to an eight. It's a very solid cover and it's one that's um, borderline iconic. What do you think of it, Dalvin? You know, I think I'll stay with you guys. Uh, I'll go with an eight as well, because I think I was going to rate it lower. But, I mean, it did do its job. And it sold Trypticon, who was just, I mean, crazy big. <laughs> and it looks like somebody that crazy big might cause a lot of trouble. And Trypticon definitely did do that. So gave us a little precursor as to maybe what was going to go on in the book. So, yeah, eight sounds good. And with that, let's see how Maggie sounds when she reads the credits for this issue. All right. Thanks, Delvin. Transformers number 27 has an on-sale date of January 13th, 1987, and a cover date of April 1987. Cover price was a whole 75 cents. Story was by Bob Budiansky. Pencils by Don Perlin. Inks were done by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Colors by Nell Yomtov. Letters by Janice Chang. Editor was Don Daly and the cover credits Herb Trimpey. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. And thanks to me, because I'm about to read this synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was King of the Hill. Looks like the Dinobots have been making their way, stealing fuel from trucks and whatnot. Grimlock, Dinobot leader, wants more. He's heard Optimus Prime has died, thanks to a snooping swoop. And so Grimlock wants leadership of the Autobots because Grimlock is the mightiest of them all. Maybe, maybe not. But on the Decepticon end of things, acting Earth Commander Shockwave gets a rebuke from the fuel auditor, Ratbat, about fuel consumption of the space bridge. Ratbat wants to shut the space bridge down because the juice to run it ain't worth the squeeze the Earth supplying the power to fuel it uh, is accomplishing. Uh, But Shockwave has a plan to take over the art by using the most powerful Decepticon on two feet, Trypticon. After a rebuke from the Autobots, Grimlock leaves and sulks. While at the same time the space bridge opens, Trypticon comes barreling through and immediately attacks the Ark, ambushing the Autobots with Sonic Scrambler Mines. 
The Autobots are not faring well until Grimlock and the Dinobots come to the rescue of both Autobot and human being alike, delaying Trypticon and saving the day. This display of bravery and courage, and yep, strength, shows all of the Autobots that the bot to lead them into the future is none other than Grimlock. Hmm. Let's talk about the book. We talk about goods, bads, everything's in betweens. And we will start with Maggie. Maggie, what do you have? Well, overall, I very thoroughly enjoyed this issue. And one of my favorite things is Rat Bat kind of like getting to pull rank on Shockwave, which mm-hmm. like with, with my knowledge of Rat Bat kind of getting muddled in with this original Transformer stuff, I found that very amusing. And it's not like when Megatron would like smack him down or yell at him because he's Megatron and he's nuts and that's what he does. And I don't think Shockwave ever was like afraid of Megatron and he's not yeah. afraid of Ratbat. But this is like a wall of bureaucracy just <laughs> between Shockwave and his plan. Uh, and I, I really like that. I thought it was really funny that there's something called a fuel auditor and that it's Ratbat. And it, I mm-hmm. thought it was a very nice bureaucratic addition to the storytelling. Bureaucrats always seem to get in the way, whether robots or humans, that's for sure. John, you, you look like you may have had something to add to that. That was my first note, too, was about Ratbat. And if we ever do get to talk to Bob Budietsky, I got to ask him if he ever had like a really bad time with an IRS auditor or something, because he really throws Ratbat up there. Of and This is his first appearance of a character that will become very important for the uh foreseeable future uh for many many months rat bat's gonna be front and center uh and it's it's kind of funny as maggie was saying that he does not present a physical threat but there's literally nothing a shot wave could do it's you can't fight city hall and you can't fight rat bat but <laughs> but i guess it's like from rat bat's point of view here they are on cybertron uh straxus has been running things into the ground he like built this whole super giant space bridge thing which consumed a lot of resources now Ratbat's finally got you know in charge and he's like went over the books and said okay guys we gotta roll this in this megatron guy out there is causing all of this stuff and this has got to end now let us not forget too that along with those resources for the space bridge there's also an autobot named spanner who who like partly comprises that space bridge well, that's oh, right, because yeah. Blaster failed the trolley problem. Horrible. Yeah. That's not to think too deeply about that. Yeah, that's just that just made me sad. <laughs> 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 I kind of did forget about Spanner and the Space Bridge, and then now I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you got to think. The Space Bridge is a cool idea. I mean, it For sure. expand across millions and billions of light years and all that, and transfer resources from one spot to another but that has to be like very very fuel consumptive that that couldn't just be something where it's like flicking on a light switch right yeah there have to be generators and that's like dyson sphere stuff well Ratbat says yes. in this that that the amount of fuel that they've gotten back from earth has not even covered the cost of running the thing right so basically in Ratbat's mind it's like this is a negative it's a know, money pit Right, it's a money pit, exactly. You know the interesting thing I just thought of? Why would all of... I mean, I understand that the Earth could be a planet for plunder. I do get that. But now, Megatron's gone, right? Mm -hmm. Megatron's gone, and I mean, yeah, Shockwave 
might want to be consumed with maybe doing a better job than Megatron, but why wouldn't they just all go back to Cybertron? They could have. Yeah, because Shockwave does say, you know, like the, the wastefulness was under Megatron's rule, but under mine, it'll be different. And it's like, well, why, why do you want to complete Megatron's plan? Don't you? He must have his own. Maybe. Think? Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to assume that the plan is going to continue to strip mine the Earth of its mm-hmm. assets. But maybe Shockwave feels that he just has a little better plan in place than Megatron, which is a good enough reason to keep everyone on planet Earth for now. Right. Plus, Cybertron is a complete and utter hellscape, too. I think I I always wonder whenever they're talking about, well, how are we going to get back to Cybertron? It's like, why would you want to go back there? (laughs) Everything's terrible. Yeah, that's true. Um, Unless you're like, let's see, wait, who's who's the one that wanted to go back? Was it Skids? Oh, Huffer. It was Huffer? Huffer and Gears both want to go home. And and everybody else... And everybody else really wants them to go home because they're insufferable. (laughs) All right. So we got through uh, one round talking about what we talked about. What about next round? What what do we what do we have? uh, John, you have anything to talk about um, this round? Can I just uh, maybe start the discussion with an overall thing called the Autobots are bad at this. The last. Within the last three issues, they've lost their leader, almost got killed by their own defense mechanism due to the actions of one human, and now um, almost all get completely wiped out by uh, some super dinosaur robot and then decide to survive that. And so at the end of the day, shrug their shoulders and pick Grimlock as their leader. <laughs> They're just not having a good few months here. It's not a perfect person. <laughs> It, it does often seem like when they, when I was reading, because I wanted to read the issues leading up to this one, too, so I wasn't totally lost. Um, and they Omega Supreme, I think, right, installs that defense mechanism. And there's just a big on off switch. on the wall. <laughs> it's all it is. And then this one dude manages to get past it because it takes Ratchet too long to turn it back off again. I'm just saying. And they frequently are being spied on successfully by the Decepticons. It, it does feel like the Decepticons typically are depicted as being much more competent, but the loyalties um, and the, the tenants of the Autobots are what really end up helping them win the day more so, it feels. Mm-hmm. They have had kind of a rough go of it. Not only that, but their leader just died recently. Yeah. I mean, he got blown to bits. Yeah. We all saw it. Literally. And, yeah, literally. And, and even Magic could not bring him back to life, which was very upsetting. To- he tried. He tried. And so Grimlock had swoop spying on things and found out that Optimus died. And Grimlock comes back into the place and is like, I'm the strongest of them all. And so (laughs) I should be the dude to be the next leader. And the Autobots said, no, that you have to be more than just about strength. You have to have warmth and cuddliness and (laughs) and. And all of like, you know, like the gooey stuff that's part of the marshmallow, like after it melts a little bit, that's like, so he has to be that too. Um, Mm -hmm. And so regardless of whether or not it was a good choice or bad, well, how about this? Like John seems to think it was a bad choice. Is that a safe thing to say, John? Do you think that uh, it's safe that you think that Grimlock was a bad choice for the Autobots? 
Well, I'd say he was a rather hasty choice, given the situation. I guess they literally looked at it as, well, we all got our our butts handed to us. Uh, Grimlock didn't. They seemed to base it on the fact that he uh, was trying to save a human was why they looked at it as a leader. I think that was part of it. It was a part of it. I think that what they tried to show through the book, partly anyway, is that Mm -hmm. Grimlock displayed all of the characteristics oh, that an right. Autobot might want yes. in a leader. Right. It reminded me of a sim- similar situations that come up in comics all the time, like when John Walker first takes over for Steve Rogers as Super Patriot, or when uh, Azrael takes over for Batman, and, or uh, Fred Seven taking over for Cobra Commander, if you're a G.I. Joe fan. There's always the issue that they have to let you show the reader or, or display that there's more to them than you think. Like John mm-hmm. Walker, his first time out, he was like, you know, doubting himself and like, you know, really trying to live up to Steve's thing, making you feel for him. That's what this issue is for. Ultimately, Grimlock becomes the leader because Bob Budiansky wanted to shake stuff up in an it- interesting way. He had an opportunity. He had to pick a new leader because of uh, Optimus Prime being out of the picture and decided, wanted to know what the Autobots would be like led by somebody like Grimlock. And we're going to find out real quick what that's like. Maggie, do you think it was a good choice for the Autobots to go with Grimlock? I think it was an interesting choice. It is a comic book, so I can understand how it, the thing that got me was that Grimlock comes into the room after they're all discussing these qualities of leadership, which Grimlock does not have. Or hasn't yet shown to him. And then he does one time and they're like, you're our leader. I think it's interesting. And I, I, what I would be looking for is like, okay, well, how does Grimlock behave from here forward? Because he does seem to have learned some kind of lesson. He at first rejects becoming the leader because he says he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the hallmarks, I think, of a good leader. Someone right. who doesn't want to do it. So I'm interested to see what happens next. I don't know if it was a good or a bad decision at all, because I'm not terribly familiar with this Grimlock, and I don't know what happens from here on out. Oh, I know that you're not familiar with it, Maggie. That's why I asked. I do like Grimlock, (laughs) though. I call him Grimmy in my head, and he doesn't mind Mm. because we're friends. Understood. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Let's see. So far, we've seen Grimlock a few times in 27 issues. He Mm -hmm. helped out Ratchet. And um, helped take down Megatron, sort of. Then when Optimus Prime had like a big plan to go and get the combiner tech from the Decepticons, the Grimlock stepped in and was like, your plan's dumb, Optimus Prime, (laughs) and you're kind of stupid in the face. And then he left. And now he's come back. Uh, So we've got, we've had, Grimlock isn't new. So the book, he's been a recurring character uh, in a little bit over two years. So we have a little bit of experience with him is what I'm saying. Hmm. I don't know. I would I would say Grimlock got a trial by fire. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, like sometimes like who you are under fire isn't who you are, you know, in the day to day walk. And let's. Let's be honest here about leadership. Leadership isn't necessarily the flashiest, most sexiest thing in the world. It's not always, you know, if you're Grimlock and you're in a robot form and you have your Negro sword, 
you know, and swinging it at people. Or if you're his, his dinosaur mode, which he loves to be in because he's more powerful and clamping down on people and everything. But that's not leadership. Sometimes mm-hmm. leadership is stepping back. Sometimes it's taking care of people. And sometimes many people find that just plain boring, to be honest with you, and don't want any parts of it. And I guess I'm saying all that to say we don't know what Grimlock's going to do with that mantle of leadership. We have just shown that he definitely has the chops in battle to lead his people, at least not to a loss. We have that. I don't know if that's going to be enough or not. We'll have to read on and find out. It looks like. Should probably talk about Trypticon, huh? Oh, that splash page of him was so cool. His whole intro scene was so well put together. I like the art throughout this. And I think Delvin alluded at it before, and I agree with him. The humans in this are kind of superficial. They don't really yeah. do too much to the story. But the only time that I'll say it works is when she, when you get to see from her point of view, the space bridge showing up and Trypticon coming out. And they must have heard us from the past or heard Michael Bailey from a few uh, episodes ago because they definitely gave Trypticon a splash page. Yeah, they did. And getting to see the Dinobots finally succeed at something was great. <laughs> yeah, they needed they needed a comeback story because man, was it Transformers? Was it seven where uh, uh, where Megatron just handed out a wholesale butt whooping to all the Dinobots? I mean, just straight up, just punched Grimlock into this. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, they did a lot better against Trypticon. They had a better day. And yeah, I'm looking at the splash page, uh, content page 11. And mm-hmm. it is. It's a really good one. What what type of dinosaur is Trypticon? Having played Horizon Zero Dawn, I'd call him a Thunderjaw. Oh, sure. <laughs> He's just supposed to be some sort of Robo-Godzilla type thing. Yeah, I, he definitely strikes me as like a Godzilla type for sure. He's got the T-Rex shape kind of going on for him. But he's also a battle station, which would have made Godzilla infinitely more terrifying <laughs> to transform <laughs> into a battle station. Yeah, like, yeah, this whole giant lizard thing breathing fire, that's not enough. Hold on, let me transform. Yeah, exactly. In, into There's a city-destroying thing, as opposed to the other city-destroying thing mm-hmm. that I once was. Yeah, uh, Trypticon was definitely um, fearsome. That's for sure. And... I almost like that he had a pretty simplistic Michigan, Michigan, a pretty simplistic mission of, hey, yep, let's show up, let's cause chaos, and let's destroy the art. You know what we're supposed to do? Let's go. Let's do it. He gets it was very close, straightforward. Too. Yeah, he came really close. I mean, and it wasn't even just, say, him turning into the big dinosaur. He had a pretty smart plan of throwing out the disabler devices um, that threw all the Autobots completely out of whack so they couldn't even attack him, much less uh, defend themselves from these um, from the sonic devices that he dropped. So I thought the plan was clever to attack, too. Yeah, I mean, if Omega Supreme had gotten in on that fight, it would have been over in, like, five minutes. Structurally, this story reminds me of, like, a story designed to make the X-Men look good. You know, like if the X-Men had been beat up a lot over the past few or hadn't been there for a while and then like some giant like 
uh, like Galactus shows up and like mops is mopping the floor with the Avengers and anyone. And suddenly the X-Men show up and just completely take Galactus by surprise and and beat on him. And then he has to jump on a bridge and leave Earth. I'm going to write that right now. <laughs> that's, that's, you you throw the power <laughs> pack in that you might have Jeff and Rick on your case. Maggie, uh, you yeah. like you're going to say something? Yeah, I was going to disagree with something. Um, Go for it. The humans, I they they are a little superficial, but I do kind of like that they add to the the horror aspect when Trypticon first shows up, and it's all just like the, this dark silhouette, um, and just kind of being able to well, the, what's her name? Something Becker, Rachel Becker, I think is her name, and she's kind of like your your self insert character a little bit, mm-hmm. like seeing Trypticon from her perspective and putting yourself in her place. But one of the things that I was kind of reflecting on today was how. I kind of like that scattered throughout these stories are interactions between the Autobots, the Decepticons, and humans. And you never hear from those humans again for the for the most part, except for like mm-hmm. some of them. Um, I think they all go to the group. They're all in the same group therapy. Probably. Yeah. You've got you've got Charlene and Ethan Zachary and, and her all sitting there with their head in their hands. And- but I think it's kind of interesting that they're there as a way for us to remember that there are consequences to the actions of these prota- mm-hmm. of our protagonists and antagonists. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like a little snapshot into how this war affects the native inhabitants of the planet that it's happening on. It had nothing to do with this at all to begin with. Um, like, especially in the one where they're, they're you know, cross crunchy on the cross country trip and the there's the Decepticons doing the the graffiti the battle chargers yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. i like that one because can you imagine if that happened in real life how insane would that be there's massive (laughs) robots defacing our our national monument and you can just be there when it happens i don't know i think the humans kind of add something occasionally not always maybe but i kind of like having them in there as a reference i generally agree with you Mm -hmm. um i for whatever reason just didn't have much for them in general, but at the same time, you're right. And by the way, her name was Rachel Becker and it would have been, it, she actually had her worst nightmare to where she saw this thing and like she freaked out and ran away from it. It's like, oh, what? The, the thing didn't even see me. Like, so yeah, so no need to panic. And then went, you know, went and accidentally ran into the battle again. And this time the enormous, terror of a transformer was going to transform was like yeah i've never killed anything like you before like <laughs> i would yeah i yeah she's lucky <laughs> she has any ounce of sanity left i would have yeah. gone i would have gone crazy having that happen to me she shows the qualities that are often depicted in humans it makes me think of like the the companions in humans in doctor who stories compassion courage inquisitiveness and bravery you know, are kind of the main tenets of what makes up a good human in those kinds of stories. And she exhibits mm-hmm. those qualities in this book, too. Because at the end, she's kind of filled with this sense of wonder. She's like, well, no, there's no dinosaurs in these woods, but there's definitely something. in." There. And she's, you know, she's got a scientific brain, one would assume, if she's, you know, a freshman in college and is kind of curious into paleontology and stuff like that. So I, I kind of liked him in this book. That's all. Nice. I'm glad for the perspective, because for whatever reason, I just didn't have a ton for the human element for this part of it, even though I know it had a part in the story, it just didn't fully resonate. But I, I like you bringing that out, Maggie. Uh, John, mm-hmm. did you have anything else that you wanted to add? 
I'm uh, pretty, I've said pretty much everything I need to about this issue, I think. What about you, Delvin? I think I'm good, too. Uh, The main story was the big fight. It had the human element in it. And then uh, we got to see a little bit from the Decepticons. Uh, The last couple of issues, uh, uh, post-Prime going away, and then you had Megatron. You had issues where there were nothing but Decepticons, and then you had an issue where there was nothing but Autobots. So this one brings the combined Transformers back into the storyline again. And I like that. And I think it's going to be that way moving forward, I think, for a little bit. So, yeah, that's really all I have. And if that is the case, we should move on and talk about who had the touch. Well, we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or human. And John, who do you think had the touch? I am going to give it to all of the humans. They are just living their lives uh, trying to survive in this horrific world with weird robots that turn into dinosaurs and steal the tank off of their trucks. And the paleontologist who has his um, worldview shattered because he knows as well as any paleontologist does that Oregon was completely submerged during the Cretaceous period. So there weren't any dinosaurs in the area. But once he does see one, he he reacts like any good scientist does and tries to follow it down and do more research to find out what's truly going on. And, and Rachel, Rachel, who I just didn't until Maggie was just saying, kind of is shown to exhibit all of the qualities that the Autobots are discussing that a leader needs for them. And Grimlock does watch her exhibit these qualities. So possibly it could be argued that he's he learns from her and hopefully will take that to become a better leader. Either that or we should infer that Rachel is the logical best leader for the Autobots. You know, I mean... I like I, uh, a part of me wants to laugh and say that's ridiculous, but technically Buster Witwicky was leader of the Autobots for a short time. So, oh, I did want to give an honorable mention to Warpath because I always love that toy, and this is the only time he ever really gets to do anything. Which in which he's like one of the only Autobots, non-Dinobot Autobots who who knows who keeps his head up in the battle. He said, "Well, are you saying that thing's messing with us?" Yep, shoots it. Now it ain't. Yep. Too bad he couldn't keep it up when there were 12 of them, but he did what he said. He got one. He got one. Like, I mean, you know, like some teams have like, you know, LeBron James and some teams have like Kyle Kuzma. Like, (laughs) Kyle Kuzma to make like two baskets, maybe. But LeBron has to carry the team. In any event, uh, who had the touch for me? I'm just going to go. I'll go Grimlock. Let's give Grimlock his credit for saying, I want leadership of the Autobots and you watch, I'm going to get it. And so we watched. Mm -hmm. And so we got it. And he was going to try and do it his way of sitting there sort of letting uh, the guys get picked off. And, you know, but he's like, no, this is serious. I kind of got to get down there and save them. And he did the right thing. He looked out for humans. He looked out for Autobots and saved the day. Him and his Dinobot buddies. Maggie, who had to touch to you? 
I'm also going to give it to Grimlock. He did have a nice little arc where he went from, Rar, I want to be the king because I'm the strongest one, to no, maybe not so much. Because he, he felt remorse for uh, Autobots getting hurt because of his inaction and not engaging in the fight sooner. Um, he realized that he was being selfish and he was only thinking of himself and not the people he would be leading. And I thought that was really cool. And I, I applauded him for that you know, a little growth that he had in this, in this issue. So definitely Grimlock gets the more than needed. The touch. You're Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I am just a broken machine and I do things that don't really mean. We have talked about the touch and someone had to be out of touch. We talk about the character that was the worst in the book and they should have to have their coffee overflown while their oil tanker gets carried away by a mechanical pterodactyl in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. Maggie, who was Less Than Meets the Eye for you? I am going to give Less Than Meets the Eye to Robert Passwell and Marty Cooper uh, of the human group, because while being in the exact same area, (laughs) they were not present for any of this. Just Rachel was aware that anything was going on that was untoward in these woods. Uh, so they get less than meets the eye for being out, out of touch, not even there, barely present. <laughs> Appar- apparently, heavily medicated on Salmonex, so- <laughs> to, well, to miss out on all of those explosions for sure. I don't know. I thought there was enough subtext there that those two guys were really kind of crabby that Rachel decided to come along on the camping trip, if you know what I mean. So that might account for. <laughs> okay. um, that might account for what was going on while, you know, that was going on. I wish I could quit you. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't laugh at inappropriate humor. Uh, I'm going to give less than meets the eye to every other Autobot that is not a Dinobot or Warpath. Because, man, I mean, Trypticon did fire a whole bunch of little scrambler things, but the sheer wave in which all of them responded by walking out, standing there and getting overcome means they don't exactly get the touch today. So that leaves one up. So I hope you do a little better in in some upcoming issues, Autobots, but you get less than meets the eye today. How about you, Delvin? I'm going to pick one of those, and that would be Omega Supreme. (laughs) <laughs> to where in issue 19, you know, it's like, I am the termination to your domination. And all this, you know, I am the equation you can't solve. <laughs> and then that, ah, Sonic Scramblers. <laughs> it just, just falls to pieces like, what a wait, what? If we don't destroy them, we're doomed. <laughs> like, why aren't you destroying them? You, you big galoot. You're the biggest <laughs> thing that the Autobots have. You're just sitting there, oh, I'm dizzy. What? Yeah, on that too, yeah. what, what happened to that big on-off switch um, security? Did, it, did they leave it at off? Or did they just build the security so they could go to the funeral and then tore it down once they got home? I don't know. Well, good question. Like I, We do know that the lever that was used for that was stolen by the mechanic. Oh, that's true. So that's Some our lever to turn it on and off. It's so like I guess it's stuck off. Yeah, I guess it's stuck off. Or maybe Omega Supreme was kind of like, I don't feel like using the fuel to make expand. another lever. I, you got wheel right there. He could make a lever. 
and ratchet and first aid, but any yeah, of them. any of them, but like any, anything that would have kept Omega Supreme from just standing there like a big old dumb, dumb. Wow. Triptychon is. Uh, That's the fight you want to see. Omega Supreme versus Triptychon. Really? Yes, please. Right. That'd be so cool. Right. He's like, you're the, you're the dinosaur. I'm the meteor. And it's like, Oh, yes. Yes. see, Go write that, Delvin. Go write it now. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's my story. That's my story that I'm writing. But for now, we should cover the uh, the Transformers 27. And what are we going to rate it? One to ten, of course. Why the heck not? I'll go first. I'm at an eight for this book. I, th- I think it was a good book. I think that Trypticon was a heck of a foe. And I think that the Dinobots did exactly exactly what they needed to do to save the day and like they had a they had a goal in mind and their goal was to make sure that grimlock was going to be the leader of the autobots by the end of it and maybe they're a little bit crude uh maybe they're a little bit crass but they got the job done and they really helped the autobots out of the uh maggie what would you rate the book Ooh, um you know as so often happens i have i'll have a number in my head but then as we kind of talk through things that number usually actually ends up creeping up one, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. two. So I'll actually give it a nine. I enjoyed it overall. I really liked the art. I liked the story. I liked the characters. I liked the big splash of Triptychon. I liked the cover. There's plenty of stuff to like in this. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give it a, a, a good old solid nine. Well, I think that's awesome. And John's going to wrap us up. Yeah, I am going to give it a nine as well. This one is just uh, shy of perfect for me, especially this last time reading through it for prep, excuse me, in prep for this episode was just great. I had a big smile on my face throughout the entire day. It was really cool for me to see the Dinobots fight Trypticon. It's not a fight you see very often. Usually Trypticon's just there to fight Metroplex and lose. So it was nice to see this. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's got some major um, important events. It's got, we got ourselves a new um, Autobot leader and uh, we we met uh, met ourselves Rat Bat, and I'm I'm not kidding when I say he's going to be incredibly important uh, going forward for the foreseeable future, for better or for worse. I mean, I know you're not kidding, John, but now Maggie knows that you're not kidding either. And Pat, when Pat listens to this, Pat will also know that you're not kidding. Oh, I tuned out. I don't know what he. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> only I'm required to have to pay attention. Like there's a lot less homescapes being played uh, when I actually have to run the show. <laughs> I got to get back to that game. I have not played homescapes in like three weeks. What? Oh, I know. I should check my notifications. Absolutely. We can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight where he discusses a particular Transformers which was featured in today's issue. It's all yours, John. I have been looking forward to this one since I started doing these, and I'm sure you're just as excited. Tonight, we talk about everyone's favorite rodent-themed bureaucrat, Rat Pat. The hell you say? No, you're not. I'm just messing with you. I'm saving Rat Pat for that car wash one. Uh, We are doing Trypticon, Allegiance Decepticon Function Assault Base. His motto is, total victory requires total destruction. Doesn't stop blasting until he's hip deep in smoking rubble. Completely without mercy. The most lethal fighting machine devised by the Decepticon. 
In dinosaur mode, jumps 20 miles with rocket backpack. Shoots heat-seeking plasma bombs from mouth and mind-controlling hypnobeam from optical sensor. As city has landing and repair bays, communication center, and rotating scanners. In mobile station mode, has laser cannon, rotating blasters, destructo beams, and dual photon launchers. His strength is 10, his intelligence is 7, his speed is 8, his endurance is 10, his rank is 9. That ties in with Starscream. I think it's basically because, what are you going to tell him he's not second in command? His courage is 10, his firepower is 10, and his skill is 8. This toy was something else. It was huge. It was the largest uh, Transformer in the run until Fortress Maximus came along. Uh, he was fully motorized, transforming from robot to vehicle to base. Uh, he, he could combine with any of the Scramble City uh, limb figures, any of the aerobot, aerobots, protectorbots, tectobots, stunicons, combaticons, terrorcons, or cetons, and he could merge with the base modes of Onslaught or Motormaster. They could turn into a base mode, which could combine with Crypticon and like add on to them. They would make Oh figure. my. Yeah. It was pretty neat. You could attach all of them on it, and, and you could have like a bunch of things. It was like, man, I wanted this thing. This was this was my USS flag. Uh, Trypticon came with a mini robot, which was actually called Grunt in the initial releases, and then Full Tilt in later ones. He was not Wipeout, as you think from reading this issue. Wipeout was created for this issue and killed off in this issue. However, he is then uh, does appear in the IDW comics later on and and toys have been made of him hmm. uh and this is he seems to be designed off of uh tailgate's toy uh for some reason which makes you wonder where he came from and this is his only appearance this is Crypticon's only appearance in the marvel comics um he does appear quite often in season three of the g1 transforms cartoon usually to seem threatening for about 30 seconds before metroplex wipes the floor with him and he appears a few times in the Dreamwave comics and in the IDW comics. They really have him set up as an ancient, legendary type, close to godlike ability. And that is Trypticon. Could you imagine seeing this frighteningly huge dinosaur-like creature jump 20 miles? 20 <laughs> miles. It's like, first of all, you see this small city transform into a Godzilla-sized robot. And then it just... While I gather my composure, it's time to take a quick podcast break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. 
Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. We now return to the Transformers. Uh, that's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. No transmissions for this one, uh, as we are just a bit behind on schedule, but don't worry about it. We will get to those comments soon. Uh, come back and join us for issue 28, where we get the return of the mechanic. And if you like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. If you search for Longbox Crusade, ye shall find us. On YouTube, please subscribe. We have a Do It live stream once a month where me and the lads get together and talk about something to do with comic books. Uh, Then there's been a a creator spotlight that Jared does. Jared and I do do a a show once a month called Come Out to Play. That's about the New Warriors podcast. Hey, we love for uh, people to come along and uh, have some fun with us. So please do. You can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Special shout out to the Crusaders Club members. If you want to join us, it's $1 a month. Check us out on Patreon. And John, please tell us where we can find you and your lovely wife out on the internet. Uh, Check Maggie and I out on the Rod Pod, uh, where Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order, as well as Married Watching Cartoons, where we take turns uh, sharing a cartoon that that the other one may not be as familiar with with the other one and talk about it. You can find those on any given podcatcher just by pointing it and typing in those terms or Married with Comics. Or you can find us on Twitter. I am at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. Maggie in the Rain. We, I mean, some things just have to be said. Absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of not Maggie May, I'll be perfectly honest. Okay, as long as it's not Maggie May. All right, no Rod Stewart. Got it. No, okay, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. Man, I don't know if we should change the end tagline or not, but for now, see you all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. Me, Grimlock, smash. Grimlock is strongest of them all. You got the touch. You got the power Yeah All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. You got the touch 
you got the power When all hell's breaking loose You'll be right in the eye of the storm You got the heart You got the motion You know that when things get too tough You got the touch